and then she went forward from there. That's interesting. And Marsha, um, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about your your characters. The black you when you did um, the the, the uh, Virginia Templeton ones, you did some backstories. So how did the backstories ask about her past, and how did you make people want to read about her? Because I wish you would write more. Seriously. I know, I know. I wish I'd write more too. She's in my head a lot, but um, yeah. And actually, I I yeah I will. You know, I for me. This is a good question because the backstory, you know, years ago, a lot of times people would say, don't write too much backstory. People aren't interested a lot. You know, they want to know mm-hmm. move forward. But yeah. in TV now, and even on TV now, there's so much backstory. So it is difficult to write that. In Virginia, when I, it takes me a long time to write my characters because I find out things about them as I'm writing. And then I have to go back and change things because it doesn't match. You know, I'm very, I like it to match. Mm-hmm. Every, everything has to match. It takes me a long time for my characters. And that's what happened. I didn't know as much about her past as I did once I was finished. So in the second story, it only started out to be one story. So now when I write her, I know a lot about her. I'm still doing notes five years later. So when I write her now, I really know a lot more about her. It's hard. I think that's what a lot of people have problem with. And why you have problems, probably, I'm sure, with people reading their books because not everybody mm-hmm. can go back and forth without being confusing. I think Kim had a good I, idea. I no, love there was Lee, yeah, Lee, Lee Matthews um, Goldberg was on yesterday, finally, and he's, his book, The Ancestors, is written in two timelines, except that he did the most wonderful thing. He wrote it from August to November straight through. So I didn't have to go back and forth. I didn't have to guess at all. The other thing that that I wish Jim is not here, but the other thing that people do is like the dialogue. So if you're going to do a flashback or or whatever, do you use italics so that the reader knows when it's somebody else? Because I read the book the other day and I'm saying like, huh? Paragraph one is like this and then what did you got for paragraph two? How could you do that to me? I mean, I follow everything. But how do you avoid getting the reader getting lost when you do a flashback or you want to do a different timeline? How do you make sure that we understand what you're saying? Because, Tim, you, well, you do that very well. Well, the um, the most important thing, is, as Martha was saying, is, is character. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you have to build your character from the ground up in your mind so you mm-hmm. understand yeah. who they are and, and, and what they would do in any given situation. So that when you write that character, it becomes a force in the book so that you really don't have to worry about people getting confused as to who they're reading because the moment that the character comes on stage like a stage play, you would know who they were. And then and then um, you would find out by by knowing who they were, which time period you were playing in or you were reading in. Um, as um, as far as, as gauging the flow of it, it's <clears> – <throat> sorry – it's it's uh, it's hard to say. It's 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 kind of like when you're writing a scene and you mm-hmm. know this is a perfect perfect time to to stop here, and then pick up where you left off with the other individual because you're like, you're kind of like you're weaving a story together, like you're you're knitting something together very very slowly. You're bringing every all these these points together into one particular end. Well, how does your main character? I'm writing as I'm speaking because I'm creating new questions as I'm doing this. Seriously, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I do constantly. How does your main character drive the plot forward? Because a lot of times, I mean, I just finished. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
having trouble hearing you. How does your main character drive the plot? Forward, yes. Forward, yes. You have an echo now. Something happened. I can't hear you. Yeah. I can't hear you. Yeah. Um, Marcia, how, 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 how does your character drive the plot forward, Tim or Marcia? I can't hear you, Marta. Okay. I don't uh, want to cut her off, so. Yeah, me neither. So what, who do you want? <laughs> I could do that. So who do you want? To, so who would you like? Okay, to, that headset didn't work. Okay. Okay, I tell you what, I'll start, and then and then Martha can end, I guess. Um, yeah. if she I'm mind. here. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. I was okay. getting like, what is going on here? This, the <laughs> last last week I was on the show, and my phone disconnected me while I was on the phone. Oh, Nobody no. Knew that. <laughs> okay, Martha, go ahead. How, what was the question? I'm sorry. How does how do you your move main your character, character Rebecca, how does you, when you write, how does your main character f- uh, drive the plot forward? Even in the even in two different timelines, how do you do that? Well, because she's remembering how it all started, mm-hmm. and how she ended up in being uh, beaten and abused, and eventually dying of, as a result mm-hmm. of it, which goes forward into the next book. But it's being driven forward by the events that got her to there so that it could follow into the next book. And um, does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. When you're writing a book in timelines, Tim, what are your main goals when you're creating the timelines? Because, I mean, how many have I read? Yes. Some people use history... Some people use, you know, like historical events as a prologue, as a main, as a timeline, like John Land does. He's amazing on it. So does Alan Topol. But yours is different. So how do you create? Um, what are the main goals when you're using the timeline? My main goals when I'm using a timeline is a: does it interest me at the time I'm writing it? If it doesn't interest mm-hmm. me, it's going to bore the reader. <laughs> After I've got an interest um, of, of one of what timelines I'm interested in writing, writing about or in, then it's just a matter of creating, imp, um, creating um, how, how do I put this, what word I want to use is um, motivation is the best, the best word. What is motivating these characters all at once to slowly pull themselves together in, the cir- in these circumstances? Um, a good example would be um, when I grew up, when I was growing up, I used to watch a lot of The Twilight Zone from Rod Serling. Uh-huh. And he does a brilliant job of taking separate mm-hmm. characters and just pulling them into circumstances that you'd never really find them in on a normal, circum- uh, normal situation. And um, I always took um, nods to him and his, his writing style as to how to do that. It's a matter of timing and um, circumstance. So... If you look at it at the story as a whole, all these circumstances are all taking place only at this particular moment. Only in, it, it's really interesting that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that 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 is interesting. That is very interesting. I like that. I'm I'm writing that down. It's really great. It's really great advice. Time and circumstances that keeps you focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I do the same uh, you know, thing with my with my characters. Go on. Um, I've uh, sorry to interrupt. I've had actually written a bunch of books that have the time zones. 
and I do that, the time changes, and I do that with all of the characters being in the same time time at the time. Mm-hmm. Also. That, that that that's hard because a lot of authors. I mean, uh, I read I read one yesterday. Like I said, I read a million. I read over ten thousand books. I think too many. And um, sometimes the time period changes. I read one book in five different time periods, and I prayed when I got done that I could remember where the, where it started and where it ended, which I did. Yeah, I, it's like help me, people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then when in, I take out the cases, graphic organizer, yeah, and I, and I actually cases, got what they were saying. What? Yeah, in some cases, Fran, what happens is that when a writer is writing that many timelines at once, he does have yeah. a grand idea, in, in my opinion, he does have a grand idea of what's going on, but he loses himself in um, in what he's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, a good a good example, from my point of view anyway, is, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure that Martha's have the same problem sometimes, when you're writing a book and you know what your main character is, and all of a sudden a side character that you've created that just, you know, add flavor to the book. Mm-hmm. Now that's character slowly starting to take over the book. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, what that happens when you have too many characters? I just read a book that had fifty different characters and it was a good thing the author wrote a you know, a character thing in the beginning so I remember who they are. So what happens when you have two different time periods, this one did, and a whole bunch of different characters and some of them are, you know, the same in both time periods. How do you deal with that? You've really got to, in my opinion, mind you, you've really got to trim <laughs> your storyline down again. Um, yeah. I, you want yeah. to use all these characters, that, that's, that's cool, but you should probably then decide, instead of using all mm-hmm. these characters in one book, you're going to use yeah. this many characters in yeah. one, and then the second yeah. book, and then the yeah. third book. Yeah. No, they, they, they use them all in did this they all one. Have name, did they all have names, Grant? Did all the characters have names? They all have they names. Different countries that they came from, and it was a very famous uh, author. The book is yeah. really good. Wow. Um, he's writing in 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 the name of somebody else because somebody else died. He's taking over. It's really good, and and I said, help me. And I took me, you know, it's like 600 pages. Usually it takes me not long. It took me a couple of days because I said, okay, let me figure out what I'm going to say when I review the book. And the book's coming out on on Tuesday. Yeah, but Fran, That's all you're I'm a different say. reader than most people. Fran, you um, understand I know. every character. No, uh, you understand when people's stories are really off the wall. You understand yeah. what they did, okay? And That's most the, people, reviewers for certain, do not understand, and then they get a bad review. You absolutely understand true. what each person oh, I, you do. I mean, I completely agree. I do. When, yeah. And not everybody um, can I know. do that. And so I think you have to think of the reader, though. You do, when you're writing a book, you have to think of the reader. If you don't yeah. think of the reader, then nobody's going to like your book. Because the reader, if they're confused, they're leaving. I completely they're agree. They're not staying. Yeah, they're not staying. Um, a good example I know for I'm... my I'll go, go well, a good example for my point is um, when I first started writing, I wrote a short story that's in my first book, um, The Salvation of Tango Gale, which is a collection of short stories where um, a character was um, under persecution for being a witch during the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, nice. And um, I, I took the, kept the, the reader through that whole situation with a witch finder and, and such like, and how she saved through individualistic situations, <laughs> which, which, which yeah. don't normally happen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and um, when I sent it out, I got a, a, an interesting letter from one um, publisher who didn't like the story, not because the story wasn't good, 
but because the main protagonist, which is Catherine, didn't do anything to get herself out of the situation she was in. Which confused the heck out of me, because during the Salem Witch Trials, what could she have done to get herself right. out of the situation she was in? <laughs> right, exactly, because then you couldn't do anything. Right, right, because that's the time period, right? So if somebody's reading mm-hmm. a book and they're not aware of the time period or not paying attention to it, then they would ask a question yeah. like that because they, you know, it. You know, editors, I talked about this yesterday. I think yesterday I'm actually, I don't know, Tuesday and Wednesday. But we were talking about, you know, just different characters and editors. I, I know what we were talking about with children's editors. Like sometimes the editors of, you know, when you're going to send a submission, they do not understand what you're writing because some of them really don't have a good imagination. Sorry to say, but they don't. And, you know, and you have to really to be an editor or actually in a publisher. You really do, and especially in like children's books, you have to understand, like sometimes that's why they have good illustrations because, but when you're writing a book, if you don't, if they don't understand it, they're going to say they don't want the book. So you have to make it as easy. You can't have people not understand what you're writing because, you know, I don't care how successful you are. And sometimes if you are very successful, they put the book through, they pull it through anyway, just because your name's on it doesn't mean the book is good. No, oh, I agree I with you. I know I know what you're saying because I got several reviews for What If. What If is what would you do yeah. if you lived in my world? Maybe you stop acting yeah. like a fool in this one. And I got a few people that said they really liked it. It was really, you know, based on the pandemic. And then one author that said, I really like it, but I really didn't understand what you were trying to say. And I said, yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, you know, in, a, in a lot of cases, um, some care. some of of editors and such like don't yeah. when they when they advertise for a book, they already have a, a specific idea of what they're looking for. Uh-huh. Right. So they don't yeah. keep their minds open to anything that that, yes. that is out of those parameters either. Yes. In my exactly. opinion. Exactly. Exactly. I know. Same, so thing Marcia. Same thing with screenplays. Same thing with screenplays. Same thing with screenplays. If you have a screenplay and you're sending it out, and like you know, yeah. has been you know, being an agent that I was for years for the WGA, you know, they'll go like, oh, we would like a book, we'd like a movie that's like such and such movie, okay? And but when that movie became popular, how did you? They didn't know it was going to be popular, so they, instead of looking, they're looking for something they might not ever find again. Yeah, they're trying and to so, strike gold so, twice. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Or you know, it's a different. It, it, it let's say it was three years, four years later. That same movie won't work the same way. Like you're saying, that it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's a good example for that. Would be um, I have a member of this on Facebook too. Is Cole Shack the Night Stalker, that old uh-huh. '70s TV show? There's mm-hmm. a lot of talk out there of redoing that one, and they t- tried to redo it in the early, I think it was the early 80s or 90s, I'm not sure of the time period, um, but without Darren McGavin or without the circumstances of the writers who actually wrote the series, right, um, exactly. it, it, right. it didn't right. work the same way. <laughs> yeah, right. Because you know what? I know. The other writers don't think the same way. That, see, that's what happens with the screenplay in a book. You write it one way, and they put it on the screen, somebody else is writing it, and they don't know your characters. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I agree. Well, well that, 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 that's very true. But uh, do you do research when you do your books? I mean, Marsha did for Sella, and um, Maura, I don't know, did you do, re- did you do research and have yes. to uh, actually well, the time Se- period? What did you have well, to do? Sella, how did you do it? Okay, in exactly Darkness Descends, okay, well, the Between Times, which is the second part, which is the second book I actually wrote first. Yeah, I didn't get and, I didn't read that one. It, uh, which is, I'll send it to you if you want. Um, yeah. It, 
it um the re- the the book actually wrote itself and uh-huh. it was when i was doing the the first edit that i sat there and i said wait wait a minute are there really caverns under chicago and so i did research after the fact and there were in fact caverns under chicago which my characters knew about and i didn't but when i did darkness descends because i already knew Rebecca mm-hmm. was going to die, which is where the between time started, or pretty much started. She had been, she had been dead. She was dead. And um, it was going to be the pre- prequel. And there was so much that I had to, I researched, I researched on the 1933 coup, that, an attempt to overthrow the White House by a group of millionaires, which is true. And um, I researched the John Birch Society and the Tenthers, which is the Tenth Amendment people. And the, um, I researched the Koch's grandfather, who was part of the propaganda machine for the 1933 coup. And the Koch's actually started the John, helped start the John Birch Society and brought those things forward to make the book um, and then fictionalized um, how it was presented. That, you know, the, the whole so, thing is how something is presented because sometimes, right. you know, right. that you lose the, the author loses sight of the character. And I read one, another one, I read two yesterday. I was on a roll. What can I say? It was bad weather. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the main character is a, um, a detective, not a detective. She's just a very rich lady, and her boyfriend is a DCI. I won't say the name of the book. And she took over the entire case mm-hmm. and made the guy look yep. stupid. And that's, she solved it. And I'm saying, yeah, I would do that too. What can I say? So that's, when, that's when you're because cr- when she when she did her research, she researched well, whoever the author might be, and I'm not pr- yeah. probing for that, but when she did her research, she did a, probably did a great deal of research on, on the subject matter she's wor- looking for, but then when she yeah. created the character, she created the wrong character for the subject matter she was working on. That's just why another character took over the situation. That's right. Yeah. She let her. So yeah. what is the character right. situation at the start of your story? How do you know where to begin with this person? Oh. I'm just changing okay. because we, you know, that's, that's, what do you think? That's pretty simple. Oh, everybody does it. What, what's it what, how do you decide where to place this character at the start of the story? Because that's what that's when I read, read the first chapter and I'm going like, okay, I want to know more about this person. So how do you start yeah. your character situation at the start of your story? Um, and and well, what is actually, the incident that creates creates a problem? Okay. Um, no, that's, that's it's, to me, I should say, I'm sorry, I, I apologize to the audience. To me, that was very <laughs> interesting because I've been writing for a long time. To a new yeah. new person, it would be really hard, I'm sure. Um, it yeah. was for me originally, too. Um, well, what I do is I'll set up, a lot of people do an outline on, on the type of story they, they want to write, and that's good for people who need organization and stuff like that. I write by the seat of my pants, which is what it's called. <laughs> Uh-huh. I'll design, yeah. I'll design the entire story in my head, mm. and once I have it down, a, a basic outline of what I want to do, then I, can start, then I can start the story from a particular point of view. 
So all I have to do after I have the story mapped out in my head, um, you know, vaguely anyway, is like you know, beginning, mm-hmm. middle, end. All I have to do is decide which character I'm going to start off with. Mm-hmm. So if I'm writing in the genre of dark fantasy, for instance, and I'm billing the book as dark fantasy, which I do because that's what I mostly write at the moment, um, then I'm going to start in a dark fantasy setting and then surprise people with a modern setting. Because so they'll be reading in say twenty or say a sixteenth, fifteenth century French um, um, pastures and backgrounds with sword and sorcery type characters, and then when I get to a good stopping point, I'll start with the, with the modern stuff, and then I'll tie that modern stuff in in that particular chapter into the first chapter, so that you don't get lost. You know, see, do you I, want me to answer? I think you answered. You asked me a question, and I never answered. Oh, it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I just wanted to say. No, but I, I wanted to say something about what Tim is saying before Keep I going. said because Tim, you have a very interesting style of writing because um, mm-hmm. you can talk about it immediately. So you have your own style set up, and so that's really interesting for people to realize. But like you said, this wasn't your first rodeo. So oh, definitely. This is why what you're saying makes so much sense because you're giving advice to someone because that is a problem for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. You know, getting, I, I it, agree. getting it right the first time, and sometimes you have to start writing it, and then you get rid of that first and go on and put something else in because you don't like it. But if you never start, you'll never write a book. That's a that's a good point. Like I always tell a lot of people who ask me about writing. Um, when I first started writing, of course, when, you know, when I originally started, I, of course I copied a, a couple of people's styles because that's what you do when you first start to write, to learn how to write. Like yeah. um, you, you would copy Stephen King or um, uh, Robert Jordan or somebody like that. But as you move along through stories, you you will develop your own style of storytelling. I mean, mm-hmm. the, well, the the tips yeah. you're taking from other writers is good, but you should your your own voice will eventually play out. So you just got to keep practicing. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, this all is. Twenty twenty years later, I'm still <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I just heard from Jim. I hope he calls in. He said somehow he had the wrong number. I don't know how that happened. So, Moira, what what situation uh, is your characters in at the start of the story? And what is the? How do you create the obstacles that your character entails? Because, like Marcia knows, I just write something; it comes to my head, and then I send it to Maxine, and I go, "You fix it. Don't bother me." I, I don't. I, I very really. I, I'm terrible. I very really read what I wrote. But the last book, What If? I actually read it and said, "You know, this is really good. You know what you're doing." And then um, it depends on who you send it to. And I got my critique from my ten year my ten year old nephew who thinks I'm a genius. That really made <laughs> made me feel so good. And um I, I I felt great because he he's he's thinks he likes Kara and so oh here she here he is. Okay. Don't don't ask. It Hi. wasn't so much the wrong network in, in number is that for some reason or other it crossed with another number. Yeah, somebody somebody had that problem last week too. D.P. Lyle said he needed a pin number, and they go like, "What, Jim? Hi, Jim. How do you write?" Hi, friend. Uh, oh, don't mind me. We're gonna we're gonna, gonna, we're gonna plunge right into it, right, friend? You First, my apologies for being late. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know. Technical. Texted me too. 
I'm losing my mind. I have an essay to help her with after this is over. So, Jim, how do you write in two timelines? And you use um, italics so that I know the character when you're talking about it. So how do you create that for your easily award-winning novel, the hard-boiled novel of the year? So how do you do that? Well, you know, I'm trying to help the reader out, uh, you know, and indicate either – uh, a flashback moment, uh, or and I also use it for, you know, heavy action scenes and putting mm-hmm. it into like present tense, just to give the reader a clue that you know something, something, you know, something extraordinary is about to happen, or you know, this is a moment back in time, or it's internal dialogue. So that kind of helps with the. Um, with the writing in both present and then getting back into memory without, you know, without losing the reader, I think. Um, So it's basically a a device to um, help the reader out. Um, Whether it does or not, I've I've had comments both ways. Mm -hmm. Too many flashbacks or, wow, I'm really glad you do it this way because, you know, I I, I know he's thinking about something or I know he's, uh, you know, talking to himself or he's, you know, having a memory. So uh, that's one of the ways I think you handle, um, you know, kind of the the time shift um, and give the reader a clue. Well, yeah, because that that helped me because, like I told Marsha, like I I said yesterday. About about that italics, yeah. The thing about italics, I'm just wondering, uh, that's really a good idea, you know, for what the person is thinking, because I have that problem a lot because I wrote screenplays first, and so I'm used to being in that tense where they're just saying whatever they're thinking, and I have a problem with that because I want the people that are reading it and I to understand, you know, exactly what this person is thinking, because my characters talk a lot and even in their heads. Well, I, I mean, we all talk to ourselves. I think maybe not. I don't know. Writers probably. I do. I do. So that's a good answer to the italic part because mm-hmm. I I have one book that actually uh, Fran Robin, our, our publisher, she helped me do one thing about that. She said, you know, she started me to do that, and my other editor, who's edited all my books, Jeff, we don't. I never really do it that way, but I, the way you just said it, Jim, I think that's really good because it is. There's so much that the character thinks about. That you want to know what they're thinking, and that makes yeah, and it so saves you. And it saves so you the crutch of. Uh, it saves you the crutch of saying he thought, you know, oh, or God, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which is just a narrative killer, and, and you I, just I fire right into <laughs> it and write the scene, <laughs> and you know yeah. he said yeah. he thought he you know you get rid of all those. Uh, I'm an ex-journalist, so it's like I, I get rid of all those conventions from my old. You know, profession, and yeah. uh, I think it's cleaner for the reader. Now, it's the exact opposite approach to what the late great George B. Higgins did in his novels, where he never used quotes, quotation marks. He never, I mean, you couldn't tell whether it was this is dialogue between two people, internal thoughts, flashbacks, or whatever. You had to figure it out. Well, you know, I want to be a little kinder to my readers and give them a give them a clue, you know, and I don't think it's, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not spoon feeding them, but I'm giving them, a, I'm giving them a visual cue. Another, you know, another, um, another problem that, that a newer writers, well, I can't say a problem, habit, 
that newer writers have. <laughs> right, is, right. Good way is, to look at it. <laughs> is they say um, they 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 finish all their sentences with he said, she said, he said. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And if you're yeah. gonna do yeah. that, it you're gonna bore yourself crazy trying to read. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, mean, I have you, an, I have you, an you, unusual you question. The narrative. I have an unusual question for everybody. Okay, mm-hmm. because you know how many books I read every week. I don't even know anymore. Okay, let's say you have a great beginning and you have a great ending. And some books have endings and I'm going, you have to be seriously telling me that's the ending. How do you write and decide what comes in between? Because I've had reviewers say, not to men about me, but other people, I started the book and I liked it, but then the ending and then I hated it in between and I took the book aside and I don't read it. So how do you make an, a reader feel that they want to read the book from cover to cover? So how do you get what comes in between, which is the most important part of the book? That's the whole well, book. That's the whole book, right? Um, yeah, well, yeah, what I'll do is, um, as I said, I'm instead of writing out the plot, I write by the seat of my pants. So I live mm-hmm. the book as I write it. Yeah. So as I move through the story, if I'm excited about what's going on because I'm living the book, then the reader's going to be excited about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I do, a, it's I do a real the simple same. answer. You write, you, you know, you, you, you know, you write your ass off and and uh, tell a good story, and yeah. you know, throughout the book, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna seduce the reader into reading the whole thing if they like mm-hmm. the story. You right. know, and, right. yeah, and, that's a. It, if you and it, but if you're you know I think you make a good point if 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 you're just writing something by rote, wow you know or, or I need to I need a bridge here to get from A to B oh yeah yeah you know uh, you know yeah. so I'll, you know I mean if if it's that mechanical and it rises to the surface of where mm-hmm. you actually have that thought, well I think you're in trouble, you know I think right, you I you think you right. yeah go ahead Mark you're, you're telling. Right. No, I was going to say in a movie, like let's say you say, see a movie and you're in a theater, which who knows if we'll ever get into theaters again, but you like the be- the beginning comes is great. Then the middle, you're falling asleep. Then mm-hmm. at the end, they start singing and dancing or whatever, and the ending is great, and then people walk out and go, oh, what a great movie, but there was no, the middle, they forgot about that middle. Because if the reader go, or if the person watching a movie falls asleep or hates it, there's no book. You have to have a beginning, middle, and end. And if you don't hear well, it, I mean, it's you the basic. Yeah, that's why 30s, 30s movies, even B movies, you know, the the old the old saying, yeah, you know, yeah. get the get the heroes up the tree and then get them down the tree and, and have a lot of action, you know, have have something interesting happen to them in between. I mean, that's yeah. that's storytelling 101. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, Go ahead. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. This, no, this, I mean, this uh, helps, this, I'm done. This helps all the, oh, okay. all the other readers. But, you know, the other, other problem is this. What happens when you decide, and Jim, you're good at this, and so is everybody, creating a conflict? Sometimes the conflict puts me to sleep. Like, I don't really oh. care if the character gets killed. <laughs> because, and, well, and I don't care if you solve the problem because you're boring yeah. me to tears. That's, and that's the no point. Tension. The conflict, the conflict yeah. has to interest you. Interest to yeah, read. They better, otherwise I'm going to put it, the book on the yeah, side and say, uh-uh, I won't write a bad review. I just won't one write of the, anything. One of, the big, one of the big problems with writing conflicts is that people, yeah. when, when writers write conflicts, they, it doesn't match up to the story they're writing. Yeah. So if if right. you yeah. write a conflict about a character, like if you're writing um, a noir story, for instance, and um, mm-hmm. the, the conflict 
is supposed to be whether the detective, this is just a for instance, the detective um, is going to go to the dark side or the light side, and he's going to go to the cops or the criminal, but you decide that your conflict is whether he's going to marry Gene or Frank. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it's like anything else. It's like if it doesn't serve the story you're trying to tell, you need to get rid of it. You know, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you, otherwise yeah. you're writing in a, a potentially fatal flaw that Fran is talking about. You know, I mean, it yeah. all it, it all has to point inward to the story um, yeah. that you're trying to tell, and you have to exercise that discipline. You may write a hell of a good scene about, you know, his dilemma between marrying you know, Julie or Frank, but it's like if it doesn't serve the story, it doesn't have then, a point. <laughs> yeah, then, then then get out there. It's an interesting sideline. I mean, I had I, I had one riff, and I think it was my second novel where, you know, my characters on kind of on a stake out at a at a sports event, and he's in the hallway and he's watching this conflict between, you know, uh, a kind of a harried uh, single mom and uh, and a rich couple. And I go on and on, and and I had a lot of fun writing it, you know, just the back and forth and uh, the insults and the, you know, the instant kind of uh, social conflict in the in the middle of a crowded, uh, you know, crowded the hallway of a stadium. But then I read through the thing, and it was like, wow, this is a this really doesn't serve the the story I'm trying to tell. And I got rid of it. It's it's yeah, one of my favorite segments of writing, but I but and I it just in case I can use bits and pieces later. But but it's it, you know I, I had to get him from point A to point B a lot faster than you know this little side tributary allowed. That's so what me and Martha the were, were mentioning about earlier about um, how a character mm-hmm. will take over a story because of a scene like yeah. that. That can happen easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure Martha's the, had some some situations like that too. Well, let me before side, I forget. Before I forget, let me announce what's going to happen next week. Was it's in front of me, and if I don't forget, I'm, on Monday, one of my favorite people, D.P. Lyle, Fire Bad Axe. On the 18th, the author of The Christmas Carol Murders, and Charles Dickens is the main character. That's all I'll say about that. I was going to say Charles on Dickens is coming on. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the he's the sleuth. Okay. Now, we've got John Land on the 23rd murder in season, and I'm kind of disappointed that this is the last one that he was asked to write because this is far superior. And on the 30th, something that I asked Dennis Palumbo, psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo, and I'm going to take on something that bothers everyone, fear and isolation during the pandemic, stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. November. Um, I'm not going to get, tell you all of December, but I am going to tell you that I am totally honored on December 21st, Jeffrey Deaver, Charles Lesqua, Heather Graham, and Alan Jacobson, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, the anthology I was asked to to do an interview. Oh. I am so, I have no idea how honored I am. And on the 23rd, in memory of Clive Gussler, Boyd Morrison is going to talk to me about Maruda. So, like, oh, my God. <laughs> That that is, that is like the nicest thing. So the other thing I'm finding that when authors are writing, like you know a few books that I read this week, is the ending. Do you write open-ended endings, and does your ending fit? Sometimes it's just like, okay, the character did this, everybody's dead, and I don't care. So how do you write a good resolution 
that I'm going to want to read the next one and say to you, what's happening next? Well, in your case, Jim, you leave everything open-ended, so that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, you, you have to you, – you have to – I think in my last book, I, I, I had much more of a um, kind of a, a wrap-up. He's recounting, you know, what went on uh, to, to an old friend of his who's, you know uh, – a journalist, and uh, so that gives you the, you know, get, kind of ties up loose ends, but also hints that you know he he still may be in trouble. He's you know, you know, you get the feeling he's he, he's still in might be in trouble from this case, but he's in much better shape than he was throughout the book and is moving forward. So, and that was my intent to kind of, you know, show that he was moving down the road of life. Um, some of them, some of the earlier books, much more of a, a western, you know, shoot the bad guy and turn and walk off into the sunset kind of endings. So, hey, I want to return to one point um, that was being made earlier about, you know, the the it's kind of the uh, flip side of the same coin. You know, if you're if you're right like I do, which is basically seat of the pants, you yeah. you know, you want to be able to be open enough to have that character jump out of nowhere and take over the uh, the book. I mean, uh, my, my first book, the, the Last Second Chance, I had a character I meant to be minor, kind of a plot device, and she just leapt out and took over passages of the book, and then I realized, wow, I've got a hell of a good book. second main character here, and the dynamic between her and Ed Earl um, – my main character kind of defined and propelled the book. So you have to be open to that. But mm-hmm. after you write a passage like that, you have to really be ruthless about, well, where is this going? And does it serve the story? And does it open new possibilities? And if the answer is no to all that, well, yeah. great passage, great character, but I got to cut her down. You know, hey, Martha, I mean, what, did, what did you think, Martha, about uh, the last question? Martha, what do you think? Sorry. <laughs> what? Well, in actually, no, I but, started. You know what, there's two people. One is Martin. One is I'm Marshall. So it's confusing. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. Okay. So, I when I started the Between Times, which was actually turned out to be book two, it actually mm-hmm. started just actually with a a prophecy, and I posted the prophecy on Facebook, and mm-hmm. everybody was like, "I want to read that. I want to read that." Well. The prophecy gave me the character, gave me the book. And at the end of the book, because there's going to be a third a sequel, it says the beginning, question mark. Mm-hmm. But then when I wrote the prequel to it, which was after the, because I figured it, people needed to be filled in on how it got there, um, before I could write the sequel, I brought in the main character as a very, very young child at the very end of the book to be um, after her mother had been killed at the very end of the book. So there would be a, where she's curled up in a ball not knowing how she's going to manage. Um, I'll get back to the, if you don't mind me cutting in here a bit, 
I get back yeah. to um, the other, the prior point about the extra character, and yeah. I agree what you're saying yeah. about about the extra character coming in as long as as he matches or she matches the um, the main character um, level for level yeah. and doesn't take over the story. Um, a great example from Dark Creatures um, that I wrote was uh, Lilica Trevelyan, which is the bard in the book. Mm-hmm. Now, originally when I wrote Heart of Steel, which was the first chapter of that book, um, Augury Pars was only was only supposed to be the only main character in that time period. Uh-huh. But when I proofreaders, which I had a couple, because I always like to have a second opinion for people looking at it going, yeah, this is interesting, or this doesn't make sense, or something like that. Um, when they read it, they want to know more about Lilica. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to design her more of her than I originally decided to, and then they actually worked more as a as a, as a team that way, and, and that way neither one of them took over the story. They actually were a team. The other thing I have a problem with is, seriously, because we're almost done, um, is setting. How to, cha- how to change places in different timelines, you have different settings, too. And sometimes the settings, you know, overlap each other or confuse the reader or something like that. So how do you decide where the main plot is going to take back place and where the timeline plot is going to take place? Because I'm just learning from all of you. You know, friend, just write. I don't do dialogue ever. I just write from the from the dead person's point of view and let them speak out because I don't really care. I, I, I can't well, be bothered with quotation marks and stuff like that. So. It's all central plot for me. So even if I'm writing in two different timelines, it's all part of the main plot. So mm-hmm. um, I don't Agreed. actually have two separate plots. Yeah. I'm actually I actually have a story that brings both these plots together. So it's all just one for me, one central plot. Which, but how, yeah, how, do you, how do you decide where? How do you decide where it's going to take place? Oh, well, I um, for, go ahead. Like for, someone me, else uh, answer. Oh, I I hog say for me. Yeah, I was going to say, no, for me, uh, Marcia, for me, I, you know, a lot of my stories take place in Chicago because I'm not really a traveler. So I feel like I they fit for me, and most of my screenplays were like that. So I, for me, I just, I work more on the story than where it is. Because naturally when you're writing comedy or, you know, romantic comedies, you know, it's just about what the story is. You know, it doesn't really matter sometimes where you are. It's just, and I've realized something after 20-some years because I have so many, I do have a lot of characters in my book, and I realize that for me now, I'm really writing family and relationships, and I don't know why I didn't think of that before, because I do write that, and so in my stories, there are a lot of people, and there's family, so I have now made myself focus on the fact that, yeah, that is what I, how I write. I write family and relationships, so it may not be just two characters, but they're coming from Chicago for me. It's just easier for me and then just put them there, and then I, because I, mine have a lot of dialogue, as, you know, I talk a lot, so my characters talk a lot. So, I, you know, for me, it just works <laughs> out. But I do love books that other people write that take me to another place. And I, I love That's it a, when other people write, you know, different places. What I That's did a, in Darkness Descends is that I had Rebecca telling the um, her fiancé, Ben's, father who is a judge her interpretation of what happened in the 1933 coup in that in a room with all these millionaires and I described the entire setting and had it take place in the Drake Hotel because I've been there in Chicago but it gave that as a um, 
way to differentiate between the different timelines. Mm. One of the things that, I, you know, I mean, I, I come at it from a little bit different perspective. I think creating a keen sense of place is, you know, really, really vital to uh, a, a well-told story. I, I want to create a, you know, a setting that's mm-hmm. um, strong enough uh, that it, it almost becomes a character unto itself because I think it's the way people interact with the land and the, and the place they live, I think is, you know, adds depth and context. And I, back in my journalism days, I wandered the Texas-Mexican border a lot uh, in northern Mexico and west Texas and Arizona. And th- that um, really fell in love with that high desert uh, mountain area. And um, I think that served as a perfect setting for my books because it's, you know, they're basically tales of uh, of uh, redemption and revenge, or revenge and re- redemption. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's a it's a perfect it's a perfect place. I had to be told mm-hmm. that, by the way. I, if somebody asked me in, on one of these uh, podcasts or uh, blog interviews, mm-hmm. "What is the theme of your novels?" And I'm like, I don't know. I just <laughs> wrote them. They're stories, you know, and. Uh, 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 a late friend of mine who was an English lit PhD uh, said, well, basically you're writing stories about, you know, revenge and redemption. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I have my answer then. In, in my case, right. it's, it's, it, it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's more like a, a feeling. If I'm going to set yeah. a, a tone for a story or set a, a, um, a describe a, a, an area or anything like that, um, i got to have a feel for it. Um, if it's a depressing era, then I've got to have that kind of damp, watery, depressive, you know, air, air about me when I'm when I'm writing it, because then I can convey that feeling to the reader. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great when people do wonderful settings, you know, because I do think it adds a mm-hmm. lot to, you know, a book. I really do, you know, uh, but and certainly I had this woman on my show the other day, and she she writes, you know, many different genres. Yes, well, she writes actually murder mysteries, but she is she. Live, you know, she was talking about how much she cares about a certain place. So she was talking about that place, and it was so interesting. You know, I mean, some people have very interesting lives. Also, they travel a lot, and I think when you do travel a lot, uh-huh. I think it helps your writing. You know, I am not a traveler, but and so I know people will say you could travel, and you know, in your books and all. But I do think when you're at the place, it really like because you have a lot of authors like that, friend, that come on and they are at a lot of places. Well, you're right. There are a lot of authors like Alan Topol or John Land or they're everywhere. Um, some they're of the everywhere. other ones or even Vincent Zandri that actually go to yeah, the places they're all that over. they're writing about. Yeah. I get to visit them on the in the book because I don't get to go anywhere. Yeah, because they really now, go. The pandemic is here, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, you don't fly so, that much either, friend. You know, I wish I did fly more. You know, and I think when you do go to places, it, I think it does really bring a different flavor to a story sometimes. Not, not well, all I, the time. I completely agree, though. It, yeah. As I said, to me, it's it. I completely agree with it. To me, it's just a feeling. I mean, if you visited, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I don't know, Vlad Dracul's castle in Romania, and you're writing a vampire story, that would be perfect. It just sets up the tone for you completely. Yeah. <laughs> so I have one last question before we end. Okay. Um, besides Tim coming out with something next year, who's coming out with a new book so that I can put you in my schedule to at least read it? Right away or something? 
Well, I have my romantic, romantic comedy. Yours is one by one. It. I like the title, Marcia. That's really good. Yeah. It's called It's All About Love. Oh, and, I, I, I know. She writes a great you romance put, you know, novel. And I, yeah, I, you know, if I finish this book, with me, but I, you know, I just want to finish. Yeah, this is the first book. The pandemic did affect me. I've had a lot of shows on that. You know, COVID mm-hmm. and election and all this. And I don't want to talk about that. Brain. <laughs> no, right, right. And I didn't want to either, but it turned out, and I, of course, naturally on TV now, I'm watching some of the new shows. They all are having it, you know, on their shows. We all wonder if people are going to put this in their books or in their stories, and some of them are yeah, taking that on. It's You know, but for me, now I'm back to feeling, you know, that I can write better, you know, more now. You know, I've still had my shows the whole time, but for me, it was a little difficult to concentrate. So I'm, I'm hoping this book, you know, this was out of the screenplay, and I hope I don't do this again. I promised myself I'm not going to keep doing them from my screenplays. It's very confusing. So that's my new book. It's all about love. So where can we Family find out everybody, where everybody is on Amazon or whatever? Jim, where can we find out uh, you, where you are and when are you coming out with the next book so I have it in my hand? Well, if I can, if I can ever get untracked and uh, get a get a quiet <laughs> space in my day job, uh, I'm about in chapter six of uh, the next Ed Earl adventure, and I'm calling it the Dead Certain Doubt, and oh, nice. uh, I, I hope to have it out sometime early next year. Excuse me, uh, my my 21 year old cat wants to be up on my lap, and you can find me at uh, on Amazon at uh, www.amazon.com/author/jimnesbit. Okay, and where can we find out about you, Tim? Um, well, my next book will be out at the end of 2021, probably because um, it costs a lot to publish one, <laughs> so I have to get the money together. Okay. <laughs> but I am on chapter four right now of the new book. It's called Dark Creatures: The Grand Game, and it's probably book two of what I hope to be maybe a three or four book series. So hopefully oh, that, that works all right. Uh, and Marta, what can we learn about you? What can we learn about you, uh, and what's next for you? The sequel to um, the, the Divide series, The Darkness Descends and The Between Times, which is a 99% done. Um, and it's going to be called Dawn, Dawn Rising, Dawn's mm-hmm. Rising, or Rising Dawn, or something to that effect. It's not um, Two Paths Forward is a subtitle. Oh, nice. And, Marsha, when, when are we going to expect your new title to come out? And where can we find out about you? Uh, MarshaCasperCook.com and MichiganAvenueMedia.com. And the new okay, book will so be out hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Is Robin doing this one? Is Robin doing this one? Yeah. 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 She, she yeah. can't do my next one, unfortunately. I, I actually am hoping that after I ever sit down and write this thing, um, I did write 5,000 words, seriously. And then I read them and I said, why are you reading this? You never read anything. It's pretty good. <laughs> so um, there's a publishing company in England that said that they would take a look at it. Only because Brian, I review for the publisher. Yes, they, they love me. I would, so we'll I see. Would, I would also look into the one I use, which is Lucid Style Author Services. She does a fantastic you you, job of that. Send me yeah. the information, please, because I'm going to try something as soon as I figure out when, what I'm writing. 
Um, sure. This is Fran, about I'm a gonna world be teaching you how to, I'm, Fran, I'm going to be teaching you how to do dialogue because you talk all the time. You can do dialogue. No, dialogue is <laughs> no fun. Put, what you just got to put me? those two characters, take two characters, put them in a room, and let them talk to each other. You'll, you'll do it. No, do this, it. These, these people are going to be isolated in an, in an environment where they can't get out. That's all I'm going to say. Right. How would you like to live yeah, in a world that's enclosed in glass and you can't get yeah. out ever? Because once you decide where you want to live, you're there forever. That's all I'm going to tell you. Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, cool. Everybody, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I know. Everybody, this has been fun. Everybody have a great day. Uh, it's raining outside. It's, thank you. Yeah, actually, yes. it's pouring. Everybody have a great day. And what, what I say right, at the end you. of every one of my shows is just one little ask. Please, everyone, when you go outside, wear a mask. That's that's good. Well, thank you. Amen. Thank you very much for having me on, Fran. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me on, Fran. Sorry, I was late getting on board. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> have a great day. Bye-bye. Well, it was fun being out. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.